Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life and community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuis. Today, on episode 51, we have a conversation about relationships and marriage and the initiative of Communio that identifies and scales proven strategies that boost the habits that give rise to human flourishing, both strong families and strong faith. And how is it the local church can make a difference in fostering healthy relationships? Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. 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 All right. Hello. All right. You ready? There we are. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, too. I'm ready. Coming up on, uh, coming up on one year. Yes. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Yeah. This is number yeah. 51. 51. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it again. We're 37 more ahead than most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And yeah. if, I, if I have read the polls right. Yes. And... Again, polls, and uh, we have a uh, a friend on the show today that understands data and polls a little bit better than I do. Right, yeah. Although we do have a connection to a leadership institute. There you um, go. But uh, if the polls are right, we are in the top uh, top 40 of listen to podcast of spiritual conversations. Yes. Under faith, under Christianity. Hey, under- yeah, I just said top 40. <laughs> under Hanover County. Yeah. 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 <laughs> A cool spring shirt. Uh, yeah, again, right. again, the polls are working in our favor. Just let it go. Just let uh, it go. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. I want to follow with something. Last week you oh, were uh, talking, uh, you shared with us your story uh, at, at the house apartment um, about your refrigerator, which I was just blown away. I'm, I've never heard. Of, I was of, blown away. <laughs> I never yeah. heard of flames in the freezer, man. Yeah. That's just like uh, yeah. pretty wild to yeah. uh, think yep. of. I mean, I'm opening it up looking for the ice cream and, and right. you've got a, you've got a uh, barbecue happening yes. uh, in your freezer. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough though, um, I was at the gym the other day and um, one of the guys I know walking out at the same time says, well, did you see all the commotion? Did you see all the, did you see the stuff that's happening? I'm like, well, what? You know, like what? You know, and he says, look right over there. And there's like this, like probably 1990 Escalade, just like just a shell of metal burned to the ground kind of thing. And I'm like, what happened? Wait a minute. Yeah. Was it, was it not that way when you drove up or it wasn't there when you drove up? I I don't remember seeing it. Okay. So I'm, I'm not that observant. I okay. guess maybe I'm not catching it because I think it happened before. Maybe I drove up and had parked in certain. Anyway, anyhow, yeah. The, it's um, a 1990 Escalade. <laughs> no, it doesn't I'm catch not your eye, at, I guess. Yeah. Catch my yeah. eye. That's right. <laughs> so so I'm looking at it, and and sure enough, I mean it's just torched completely. But what happened was the guy was traveling down Brook Road and started smoking. And so what he decided to do the car was did. To, yes, the car, not him. He yeah. may have been too. Maybe that's why the car was smoking. But he yeah. pulls in and he parks like I'm thinking, right, <laughs> if my car is smoking, I'm like parking it furthest fact, I'm leaving it on the road and yeah. running, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> I, I, but what he does is he pulls in the parking lot of the gym and pulls in between two other vehicles. Then what happens is the smoke fire. It engulfs in flames mm. and torches the vehicles next to it. Oh, which are probably 2018 Escalades. Or- well, probably like that 2021 BMW. It's like, it's all torched. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, wow, man. It's like, I got to watch where I park when I go to the gym. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So what would you, if your car was smoking, what would you do? First of all. Uh, my car has done that, so I'm familiar with this scenario. <laughs> so you have a protocol. Yeah. You have a strategy I'm, already. I'm pulling the car over, and I'm getting out of the vehicle. Yeah. I may pop the hood and see what it is, but I'm getting out, and I'm running in a different direction. I cannot figure out. I don't understand this anyway. If you go to a parking space, and it's wide open, 
And it is out there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a well, big parking lot. It's a big parking lot. There's nothing else there. Yeah, They're yeah. knocking down the village. Yeah. Right? If your car is smoking or not smoking, why do people cram their car in between two other cars when there's plenty of other spots? Yeah. 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 But I'm not. Because yeah. we don't want to have to walk far to get into the gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm parking way out somewhere else and letting yeah. that thing just blow yeah. up. Uh, so, so now, so now. Every time I go to get the bag of fish sticks out of the freezer, I have in my mind. I know, right? Am I going to see a, a fire about to happen? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm thinking, I have to now think about where I parked. Does this car look like it could be on fire? Because <laughs> I, I don't want to park next to that. No, and uh, no, and no. now I'm on fire. <laughs> next what week's episode, world? we'll deal with fear and anxiety. Yeah, let's, that's the next step. Yeah. That's the next step. So, I'm waiting so for what something. was the end of the story? Is that, I mean, have you it's been? Still, I mean, this morning, I was at the gym, still sitting there in the parking lot. I'm the like, other cars were um, completely burned They're too? gone. The other cars are gone, but the culprit yeah. is there. Yeah. I wonder how it damaged It serves as a landmark. Yes. Yes, a reminder. It's like a like a stone. <laughs> yes, it's a reminder. It's a marker. Ebenezer. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs a bush when you got an escalator? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's right. He's on fire. <laughs> Somebody's speaking. Shoes, you yeah, are, uh, yeah. yeah. And those poor people who all they wanted to do was run on the elliptical for a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> and they go outside to see their car. Can you imagine the response home. to that? Where's my car? Where's my, <laughs> That's my car. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so just be careful where you park, right? Uh, yeah, wow. I don't know. Have what, a strategy. Uh, I don't know what episode 50 brought us a, a burning freezer. 51 has brought us a burning vehicle. Yeah. 52, Brian, I don't know what you're bringing. Yeah, what you're going to bring to the table. I might just go ahead and just light something on fire. Just to, <laughs> just to be a part of the group. Preemptive strike. Yeah, I need I need something to talk about here. Let's, let's see. I'm just kidding, too. I'm not lighting anything on no, fire. thank you. If thank there's you. a fire that takes place, thank I had nothing to do with it. That's good. That's All good. Right. We don't want to do that. You have to do that quite a bit on this show. Yes, you just I, make I do. a few disclaimers along the way. He has yeah. to, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep. All right. Well, that's well, great. Well, let's jump in. Let's move let's in. in. Yes. Talking about things on fire, relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So today on the podcast, we're going to welcome in J.P. DeGantz. We're excited to have him today. He is the founder and president of Communio, a nonprofit that consults with churches, equipping them with the uh, 21st century data tools to help foster relationship health for singles, marriage, those preparing for marriage, and those in marital crisis. Is also former founder and president of Cultural Freedom Initiative, and also a part of uh, Philanthropy Roundtable and Americans for Prosperity Foundation, and as we mentioned before, um, part of the uh, Leadership Institute as well. So, JP, with all those things, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Greg, Brad, Brian. Awesome to be here with you guys. Well, glad, glad you're here. Glad, glad to glad have you. Any, anything catch on fire recently in your life? <laughs> No, no, so far so good. No, uh, haven't haven't lit anything on fire. Although, you know, we I'm doing a lot of uh, DIY stuff at home. We, we recently moved, and I'm trying not to catch anything on fire. So, yeah, it's a good goal. It's That's a good all goal. good. I'm taking notes. Really, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Hey, so uh, just as by way of introduction, you are a University of Florida Gator as well. Yeah, but Gators, tell us, yeah. tell us, uh, yeah, tell us where you are now, where where home resides, and a little bit about that. Yeah, I live in uh, Northern Virginia, grew up in Florida. My wife and I met at the University of Florida mm-hmm. and uh, got married, uh, uh, went to Washington like a lot of people with this quixotic idea that you want to save the country. And so you go <laughs> run in and work in politics. And uh, it took me about a, a solid decade to realize that that probably wasn't the the best uh, strategy to, to save the country. Um, I, you know, I think about this uh, f- terrific philanthropist and uh, gentleman in, in energy and, and a 
really faithful Presbyterian. He told me years ago, he said, you know, trying to change the country by focusing on politics is a lot like, or, and I would I maybe caveat this by saying by focusing on politics alone mm-hmm. uh, would be like trying to uh, change the weather by playing with the thermometer. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I think that's, that's a really great, uh, a great way to think about things. Uh, if, you, if you're upset about the way our national dialectic is and what's going on, it, it's really all uh, the fruit of, of what happens, uh, really what happens in the home. And then uh, what happens then in the community around us, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, um, uh, a kind of a big providential moment happened in my wife's life and I, my life. Um, uh, we had three young kids and, and uh, my sister's family failed and she asked us to take in four, her four kids wow. yeah. and um, uh, two boys, two girls, 10, 11, 14, and 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we ended up taking them in and, and really practicing, um, uh, 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 we really had to get an advanced degree in parenting pretty quick. Cause our oldest was three. <laughs> oh gosh. So, so I joking, I joke with my sister that, that, um, you know, we got to experiment on her kids, um, <laughs> which was really helpful for us, but, um, but that really helped us understand, uh, and refocus me professionally and personally and my wife to understand how, uh, uh you know, uh, when you think about, what these uh, uh, my nieces and nephews went through, uh, ultimately, uh, without going into much detail, into you know, losing a dad uh, and losing a mom in a day to day life in uh, in their lives was a wound that they'll always carry, and there's not anything I can I can fill up and fill back in, mm. and so uh, it got me on this adventure to to think through what could be done to prevent. Uh, families from failing in the first mm. place and, and, and help more kids grow up in homes with, uh, loving parents. You know, that's an interesting piece because that is the focus of preventative rather than reparative. I mean, if you can do more on the front end and prevent, um, you know, the, the reparative is dirty work. I mean, it's messy work. Um, but preventative can uh, bear a lot of good fruit. Yeah. And, and thinking about the escalate earlier, it's a lot easier to prevent the car from catching on fire in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you could pull, bring the, the, the smoking escalate into the mechanic, or you could, you know, bring it in regularly and service it. Right. True. true. You know, it's an either or. Now, I, that's not to say you, there aren't amazing, uh, and, and we, when we, cons- we're a, a full service consultancy around relation, marriage and relationship. Uh, using data, but also with a deep expertise in um, in relationship ministry strategy, and so we advise churches on on effective crisis cri- effective crisis ministry and crisis mm-hmm. intervention. But uh, that's right. Our, our our general message with churches is is there's a lot you can do that's preventative, so you have less less folks in crisis over time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the reality is, is couples relationship education. There's what for community. We don't author end user content. We recognize there's a lot of amazing content out there. The big giant challenge in the space is that that content is not itself catalytic. There's a small group of people who self-actualize and will buy it and go do something. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the hardest things to do uh, is to get a married guy to go to anything to work on his marriage. It's a little bit like splitting the atom. And so, you know, (laughs) how do you, how do you do that? Uh, so everything that 
that we do and we work with churches is, is to help a church think in terms of reaching out to the community, reaching out to their membership, use relationship ministry as a front porch ministry to draw folks in uh, and then uh, and move them uh, into uh, uh, ultimately into uh, uh, more relationship health. And then uh, it's a great way to introduce them to Jesus Christ. But that's a uh, it's a wide open field. I mean, I was I was looking at um, some of the information that was on the website uh, about the number of churches that that do not have any kind of relational ministry. Um, yeah. It's really shocking. I mean, it's a it's a it's a large number of churches that don't yeah. have that. I'm curious as to as to why why that is. Yeah. Well. You're, and you're citing uh, from our website, we commissioned a study with the Barna Group, who, of course, is a, uh, probably the world's most um, foremost surveyor of uh, the faith community. And uh, what we found was 80 percent of evangelical churches, 82 percent of Catholic parishes, 90, uh, I think it's 92 percent of mainline churches spend zero percent of their annual budget on on marriage and relationship ministry. Um, uh, there's um, just 70 uh, 72% of churches lack a substantive marriage ministry. You know, there's, there's ways to have a substantive marriage ministry in our estimation without allocating dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, but generally those two things do over, they tend to overlap, uh, 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 in the Venn, in the Venn diagram. Uh, now as to why that is, I think it's, 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 you know, when you look at the history of the church, the, the church responds to problems that arise, okay? Um, that's been, you know, uh, whether it's um, pagans fleeing Rome and the Christians running in and building hospitals, right? Whether it's uh, uh, the temperance movement in the 19th century in the U.S. Um, uh, when there's a challenge, the church responds. And uh, up until, I always tell people, there's a good reason that there weren't a lot of marriage ministries in 1875 in, say, a, a Baptist church in uh, in uh, in New York. OK, uh, because the entire culture around us, it would be like, you know, having a in a way it would be like telling people, you know, teaching fish to, you know, how to breathe in underwater. Right. Like the whole community around us was was reinforcing the the um, idea of marriage. And that's not to say that the I want to really put an emphasis here. That's not to say the good old days were always great, right? That there are um, uh, uh, there are things that needed and uh, needed to be done better. Uh, and you know, living out Ephesians five, especially for us men, is something that we haven't always done very well. Mm. Um, and um, uh, so, uh, but the breakdown of the of marriage and the family really, I would argue, is is linked to about a, a key moment in 1960. The, 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 the sexual revolution, sociologists generally agree, is the proliferation of, of, of the pill, which decoupled sex from marriage and procreation, which then um, you've had about a 60-year run where, where marriage and family life has, has sort of uh, unraveled and the church is not entirely uh, has really struggled to figure out to, to address it right to jump in and, and help m marriages help people have healthy relationships it's just not something the church has had to do historically um 60 years in christianity is a blink of an eye yeah. right it's a, it's a blink of an eye and uh so i'm very hopeful I, I look at the data that you know 
80 church, 80 percent of churches are, are, aren't really doing anything in the space. And that makes me excited because um, the family and marriage is in free fall in many ways. And if that number was already like 80 percent of churches are all over this, we'd probably have a very different type of podcast right now. We'd be you know, figuring out, you know, where's the bunker? Where do we you know go and hide? Like, but that's not the case. Right. The the fact is um, uh, the family's under assault. and The church has yet to answer the bell. And if it if the church answers the bell, I am very confident uh, in that that our Lord through the people of God will 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 bring a great uh, a great renewal. So this definitely is a complex conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about eighty percent of churches aren't doing are, aren't involved in that. Is that because we are? Uh, this is probably a whole other conversation. We're we're um, not diving deep into the complexity of the issues and the and the messiness of what's going on. But are are twenty percent of the churches just doing surface stuff? Like we offer a little retreat here, a little something there, and we just don't know how to dive in deep into this. Would that be a true statement or no? Uh, to the extent that churches are doing anything, um, you know, if if you when, when in the survey uh, that we did with Barna, they will they'll say, yeah, we're doing marriage ministry, and then when you dive in and figure out what they mean by that, it's like, well, we do counseling for couples who are really struggling. Mm. If, if you put a parenthetical on that. Well, I hope you would, right? Like yeah. if a couple came to you and was really struggling and you say, well, got nothing for you, then, you know, I, you know, I don't think that's anything to ring the bell on, um, uh, to celebrate. The fact is, is they should, churches should be meeting with people, uh, couples who are struggling. Um, they will note that we, they, they, a church will say, well, we send people to, you know, we've got a list of counselors and we'll, we'll re- recommend them. And that'll be something else that they'll, say that that's part of it, or we've got good books that we recommend to couples. Like none of those things are themselves. Um, uh, the community, the, the intentional community that foster the skills needed to live relationship. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's what needs to ultimately happen. Uh, in the, there's an academic field uh, now that exists called couples relationship education. Mm-hmm. And the, and the research says there's, three key ingredients for an effective program or ministry in this area. And that is, do you teach the skills to, uh, for communication and conflict resolution? Okay. That's number one. And that, that that's not a sermon, right? And, and that's not a, <laughs> you know, not telling people how to do it. It's, are you helping people practice it? That's the, that's a huge thing. Number two is, are you helping folks set, shared and mutual expectations, right? If you think about 99% of relationship conflict is connected to these two things, right? Like um, whether it's disagreements over sex or finances or, or the kids um, there's a, it's usually a misalignment of, of expectations. You know, this is not what, this is not what at all, what I expected Um, folks are missing each other. And then they, they lack the, the practical skills to communicate about those misalignment in expectations and, and then things could uh, generally uh, uh, atrophy in the relationship over time and resentment sets in. So as a, uh, the third area is the reinforcement of a, of the lifelong commitment of marriage, right? That, that should be part of it. So those three ingredients should be part of, uh, of any ministry. And, and frequently in, 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 uh, in the church broadly, uh, we think a lot of our teaching, but teaching is a key part of our teaching has to be practiced. Right. And that, that is, um, 
uh, so it has to go beyond sermons and it has to go uh, beyond crisis interventions. It has to, um, uh, we've got to develop the, uh, the ministry that, that moves people into skills-based uh, 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 programming. Now that's hard to do. I'll just say it's very hard to do to get someone to that level where they're like, Hey, let's go to a four hour, eight hour thing to invest in learning the skills. So one of the reasons we call ourselves communio is Latin for community. And uh, ultimately what we work with churches to do and build is a community of couples in uh, intentionally investing in their relationship. So uh, 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 that you come for the community and then you end up staying uh, for the skills, okay, and finding out ways uh, ways to do that. So, what are some of the? Uh, we talked about some of the church percentages there uh, as a whole, but are there certain data points that you found about relationships that really would surprise people? Yeah, you know, we've now run. You know, we're closing in on twenty five thousand surveys of churchgoers. Wow! And um, over the last eighteen months, and you know, a few a few you know, top lines I'd, I'd share with you guys. Uh, 24% of this is, again, this is church going Christians that we're, we're, that the state is from okay. 24% self-report struggling in their marriage. Okay. Uh, what that, the, the, the way that we have that question designed is we, it's taken from uh, Dr. Scott Stanley's research, who's an academic expert in this field uh, from the university of Denver and he would say, if, the, if you answer in the air range that would be considered struggling, you're at heightened risk for divorce in the near future. So 24%. The other thing that is interesting there is men, this, I, this might surprise nobody if you really think about it. Right? <laughs> um, uh, uh, women are, are 35% more likely to self-report struggling than men. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I jokingly say, you know, as a guy, you know, we're, we're, we're more simple creatures. We, if, we're, if we're fed and there's, you know, <laughs> you know, we're fed there, there, uh, you, there's, um, sex, there's, um, there's, um, you know, some basic things that are checked off the box. Guys are, yeah, things are great. Um, and, um, they're not, uh, it, the data would suggest we're not as attuned to, um, uh, to the concerns uh, uh, of our wives, I would argue, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and that also bears out in the in the divorce data. Seventy percent of those, about seventy percent of those who file for divorce, are the are wives. Okay, and so it's not that wives cause seventy percent of the divorces. Obviously, it's yeah, that yeah. Uh, it's that there's a misalignment of, of expectations, and frequently uh, uh, men are not as aware of their wives struggle. Okay. And so, um, uh, so what that, all that data also means is, is if one person in a marriage is struggling, guess what? The marriage is struggling, whether or not mm-hmm. they both understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that means the total number of marriages in the pews that are struggling is much higher than that. But the survey design isn't set up in a, in a, in a way that we can get at the total number of marriages, but, but it's probably closer to 35% of the marriages in the pews are struggling. Now, um, single, you know, a big, big part of what we want to encourage churches around is thinking about how to increase the behavior of people getting married in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh, marriages um, was, 
it was really Christian marriage that was a huge part of why the ancient world was converted. Um, uh, I have a book um, I'll be uh, uh, finishing this spring, and we go into some of the history of the conversion of the ancient world. And, and it was the sharp distinction between Christian marriage and pagan marriage and how women were treated in Christian marriages uh, that was a huge driver of the, of the, of the interest in early Christianity. And, um, uh, so single men and single women in the pews, both 82% under the, if you're never married between the age of 18 and 49 in the pews, men and women both reported that 82% of them, uh, uh, strongly prioritize wanting to get married. Okay. Um, 57% of that group of men and 57% of that group of women, both reported uh, that they felt weighed down from by baggage from their past. Okay, um, wow. one of the biggest you'd say, well, if everybody wants to get married, um, why isn't you know why is marriage in, in such decline? Well, in our in our surveys of sing uh, uh, in our surveys, churches show a massive gap between single men and single women. Seventy two percent of the singles uh, that were surveyed were women. 28% men. Okay. So if you're wondering, if you ever wondered, Hey, the, you know, here's this great young lady. She's really, uh, uh, has so many gifts. I'd love to be able to introduce her to a great guy. And then you struggle to think of who that great single guy is. Um, uh, that's largely because, uh, mathematically there aren't a lot of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, based on the, based on the survey research. So when we talk with churches, w- w- uh, about promoting marriage, the first thing is is let's how do we how do we fix the sex ratio imbalance in churches and get uh, and get uh, more men uh, participating right uh, uh, especially more single never married men showing up to church and that's something that's very intentional about how we we think about uh, ministry for uh, for on relationships at churches. Wow. That's a whole nother, uh, that's like a whole nother conversation, you know, in, in a sense, there's so many facets to it, which is just, just, uh, mm-hmm. amazing. So think about this though, how, um, in essence, if a church is looking to take a first step, what's the first step call you, but I mean, in sense of what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what's the first step that they look at? Yeah. A, a, a couple things first from a, um, Communio will be coming. Uh, we'll be coming up with a. Um, we've got two services that we work uh, and support churches through. One is a consulting service uh, where they can hire us and bring us in, and we provide a, a heck of a lot of hands-on support for a church. And then a full slate of outreach and marketing services for the church. So that marriage ministry. We our argument with churches is that marriage ministry should be an evangelizing ministry. Okay. It's for both the church and the world. Let's invite people in. And so we've got an entire suite of uh, digital outreach services, direct mail, uh, uh, a mobile block walking app, um, uh, email prospecting, whole things uh, wrap, wrap around. So a church can go beyond just its own, own membership and draw folks in. Okay. Um, uh, and so we, we, we have, um, uh, a way to do that individually with a church um, uh, that's a, that's higher cost and uh, consultative. Uh, we'll be coming out this summer with a lower cost way where uh, churches can do a master class uh, online with us. Uh, we'll, we're calling it communio outreach, 
and churches can learn all the basic blocking and tackling of each air of each area and get all of our outreach, all of our outreach services. Okay. But, um, and that'll be that, um, uh, you can, we'll have more on that. Uh, but, um, uh, after Easter, uh, we'll be kind of going into the detail on that. Okay. So then if you're a church and like setting aside a communion for a moment and it's like, okay, what do we do? Okay. Think of it this way. Every, we, we, we tell people, churches, uh, an effective, relationship ministry should have three legs, uh, vision, skills, and community. Okay. And vision is, is it, it's twofold. Is the biblical teaching of marriage upheld and celebrated within the church? And is the cultural expectation of those in the church that everybody here invests in their marriage intentionally, everybody from the pastor to the staff, to the volunteers, everybody, the marriage ministry is for people with great marriages. It's for everyone. Okay. The biggest, one of the biggest barriers to relationship and marriage ministry is this um, sort of like a scarlet letter. If I go to the marriage retreat, am I telling people I have problems? Okay. <laughs> oh, if yeah, I, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to, we, we live in a, in a, you know, we used, it used to be white picket fences today. It's Facebook, right? right? Like we live in a world where, I'm you know, we want to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to, we want to be, uh, project, uh, 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 never ending bliss. Yeah. And so if we, if, uh, for one of the biggest stumbling blocks is the idea that marriage, anything on marriage, that's intentional is only for people with problems that has. So that's part of the vision stage. A church has to obliterate that in it's preaching and announcements in how it talks about it. You know, it's not the Escalade parking and lighting on fire. You know, I've got a great car. You know, if your marriage is an Audi or a Ferrari, that's awesome. You you know, if you own a Ferrari or an Audi, I bet you would you would service it regularly, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, and so great marriages need to be serviced, right? Yeah. Um, then the second leg is um, community, right? So the vision is held up and then reinforced in a community of people who are who are in friendship and in relationship, investing in their marriage and investing in, in their relationship health through the last leg, which is skills, which is uh, 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 how is your church facilitating the adoption of the skills to live marriage and relationships? Well, okay. That's communication, conflict resolution, setting shared mutual expectations. How are you reinforcing the lifelong commitment of marriage and celebrating it? Right. So, so when we talk about uh, on like a, on a macro level, a church should be thinking about those three areas uh, right out of the gates. And um, certainly the vision phase and the skills phase are, are, there's some good, easy ways that, that, that a church can, can start moving in that direction. So obviously, a church uh, church can make a difference. The community can make a difference in marriage, uh, not only within their group, their small group, I guess, but also even in community. And that's something I mean, we've talked about community and challenges that um, we face in our corridor here. And I think family is one of those. I mean, we have some unique characteristics in our corridor here. Um, we're growing families, a lot of younger families, middle families, we call them, but, um, you know, yet we have kind of through our corridor, um, the highest self-reported rate of, of mental, 
mental illness uh, with anxiety and depression and these yeah. kind of things. So you think about how that affects families and that's just a symptom of other things in a sense, but um, to some degree. Yeah. Brad, it's, it's, it, that's a great, we, we, there, the loneliness crisis sweeping the West is probably the greatest uh, public health crisis uh, even more so, I would argue, than COVID, um, uh, yeah. because it's not going away with a vaccine. You can't va- be vaccinated <laughs> from loneliness, right? right? There's no pill. In fact, there's sometimes story uh, uh, stories of scientists trying to come up with a pill for loneliness. At the end of the day, um, uh, uh, these are soul. Uh, this is the public manifestation of a crisis of the soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and. Uh, this is, we go into this with my co-author in the book. Uh, uh, When you, um, the breakdown of the marital bond. Okay. My inability to know my uh, frequently know my dad be in relationship with my dad, right. Either through divorce or through uh, a never married home um, has wreaked havoc on, on building social trust, right? My ability to have social trust with others, um, to have the kind of uh, a home life where I see conflict and joy modeled both, right? Like in a healthy way, all of that is, is, is trickling down. And um, uh, those who come from a home that's intact or who are currently married are substantially inoculated from the, the health crisis of loneliness. And for those who, of your listeners who don't know, uh, there's research that now shows if you, if you fit into the definition of chronic loneliness, it has the same public health impact of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Okay. It shortens <laughs> wow, your lifespan wow. substantially. Okay. Um, and, um, uh, there's a lot of work being done in the mental health community, in the philanthropy community to try to address this crisis by doing everything except focusing on renewing marriage and family life. Mm. And that's a very expensive way to solve a problem that has a much more simple fix. Mm. Okay. And um, in today's secular post-Christian world, we don't want to help people know that God has a better plan, right? Uh, we, we can't even say that in a secular sense, right? And so the only entity that can solve the public health crisis of loneliness is the church, and God gave us the plan to do it. Yeah, yeah I'm, remind, I'm reminded by you just saying that is, is what we're doing is, is we're we're going through this the study of Jesus Father, and, and I was thinking about this concept right here. What what we're doing with Communio and the idea here of re, of of healthy marriages and families is inviting people into God's kingdom mm-hmm. here and now yeah. in which Jesus has already began for right. us. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a much, it, it's a beautiful picture and it's, it's counter to the reality of what people right. are living exactly. in. Right. Right. And, and it exactly. goes back to that. The, Jesus is, is redeeming all of creation mm-hmm. and, and starts in there with the family yeah. and those relationships. Preach, man. Preach. That's good, Brian. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's this, right, uh, right. I mean, there's, there's so we, we could go on more with, with information oh, and, oh, yeah. and stats, and, no. and I look forward that uh, we will I be believe, able to yeah. foster yeah. a deeper relationship here, you know, afterwards. And we always say the the after recordings are just as good as the actual recording. So, JP, how can people contact you or, or hear more about the work that you're doing? 
Yeah, go, go to uh, communio.org, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-O.org. And there you can sign up for our the Communio Minute, get our, our newsletter. Uh, uh, you can uh, certainly uh, like us on Facebook. Communio uh, is our is our Facebook page, and um, uh, and we have on our, we regularly post uh, useful uh, ideas for churches and for couples, uh, and and uh, those are two great ways. Uh, and you can email certainly any listener can email me directly at j d e so it's j d e g a n as in Nancy c as in Charlie e as in Echo at communio.org. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's a great conversation. Uh, And as always, thank you for joining us on the Reimagine podcast. You can always follow anywhere where your podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and you can rate them. Also check us out on the Reimagine podcast website, reimaginecast.com. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine podcast.